Hello and welcome to Terrace Memoirs, episode three. My name's Dave Harris, and thank you all for downloading the um, previous two episodes, Neil Maskell and Jamie Butler. Um, for info, Twitter, uh, you can find me at Terrace Memoirs. Please give me a follow, email, all uh, feedback, if you wish to give any, is most welcome, uh, is terracememoirs at gmail.com. And hot off the press, there's a new Facebook group, funnily enough, called Terrace Memoirs. You can see, see the pattern growing there. Um, so yeah, please uh, please give us a follow on the Facebook group if uh, if you if you if you if you so desire. So moving on to this week, we have a Reading fan once more. Now I'm very um, conscious that there have now been uh, three Reading links uh, for the first three episodes, um, given my uh, my 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 um, oh what's the word I'm looking for, Paul? Help me out here. Allegiances, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so I not fully acknowledge that, but from next week there will be um, full-on diversification moving away from Reading. Um, just just to explain, I wanted to to bed myself in a little bit to uh, to the um, podcasting world. So yeah, we have West Ham and Chelsea fans lined up, um, and hopefully uh, we'll be moving on from there. I'm looking at Bristol Rovers um, and uh, yeah, a few other clubs as well. So, as you might have already heard, uh, my uh, fan today is obviously a Reading fan, um, Paul Mann. Reading fan since 1985. Um, so, that would put you back to the Division Three Championship season with Ian Porterfield. Would that be right? Yeah, with Ian Bradford, yes. That would put me back to then, yeah, when we won uh, 13 consecutive matches uh, at the start of the season. What an amazing time to become a Reading fan. And... Until the 106 season led to constant heartbreak. I've got to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had we did have one season along the way though, didn't we? Yeah, that we did. The 93, 94 season, but yeah. um yeah. Yeah, I see exactly where you're coming from. So just a little bit further further uh, info. You supported from the terraces um since then. Um and also now um support digitally digi- digitally as well. Um I can get my, my merds out. Uh, with uh, with Elm Park Royals, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I started going to uh, Redden. Well, started on the tireless end, then gravitated towards the South Bank when I wasn't going with my parents, and absolutely uh, loved Elm Park. Um, just thinking about it brings back nostalgia. But now I'm involved with my own start site, which I started uh, in 2016. Uh, Elm Park Royals. Um, it's become give a it a plug. A... You're more than welcome to have give it a plug. Yeah, yeah, it's come be a bit. Um, yeah, I love running it, and I love all the people that I've met off the back of it, which is really like the most important thing. Is so many great Redden fans out there, and from other clubs, which I'm sure you're going to speak to uh, coming up as well, Dave. Hopefully so. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully so. So just just going back to the to the very beginnings. Then you said you uh, you're a tireless tender originally. Mm. Um, gravitate, and I think that's that's kind of the geographical route that most fans take, isn't it? Because yeah, I know I when I first so, yeah. started going, I I I was I was taken into the into the north stand, the seats. Um, yeah, made our way round eventually to the tireless end in ninety two, ninety three, and then the south bank in ninety four, ninety five. So I think that's pretty much the uh, that's the that's the apprenticeship route, I think, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I remember going there with my uh, my dad and my mum at that point. It was mainly with my dad at first, 
and going there, I was really nagging them to go because we kept on winning. I was nine years old at the time. I was really obsessed with football. This is when it all began. And I thought, we're winning. I really want to go. And my parents finally relented, took me to the game. And since that point of going to stand on the tire stand, I used to stand really near to the burger van up against the wall on the left-hand side. So quite mm-hmm. a bit to the terraces. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I remember my first ever night game there as well against Chesterfield. When I think it Trevor Senior scored a hat-trick. Was that 4-2 and, win? Yeah, 4-2 win. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was uh, just amazing. As a young nine-year-old, you got the floodlights, you got the atmosphere, we've won. And then I pushed myself up against the fence and the, and the tireless then, as obviously we all had fences then in those days down to... Uh, the issues with fans, but what memories, just going there and just loving, just so genuinely excited. It was like Christmas Day every time I went, Dave. I just loved it. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, I know exactly how you feel, particularly as I as I uh, started going more and more um, mm. that 92, 93 season when we were in the tireless end as well. Um, so, yeah, I would have been, how old would I have been? 92, 93, I'd have been 10. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I just remember that was the last season that they had the fences up. Um, and I yeah, do remember those. But I was always down the front, up against the fences, um, and up and, and, and on the wall because you know, vertically challenged nine, <laughs> ten year old couldn't see anything unless I was down the front there. So yeah, yeah, no, I can get that. I remember moving into the South Bank. That that was properly exciting. Moving in there with the noise and everything that you had in there, you'd have the distinct smell of petrol burger. You'd have beer. <laughs> you'd have people pissing at the back with you. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Absolutely loved it. Man. Yeah, I could imagine. So that, that season, um, you, 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 as you've already said, 13 games in a row, uh, mm. one from the start of the season. Um, and, you know, you, you, you're winning, you're winning, you're winning. You end up winning the division, um, steamrolling the division, really with the exception of um, a Christmas trip to Walsall. Um, 6-0, if anyone's interested. Um, what a season to choose. Yeah, amazing season to choose. And just seeing Trevor Senior playing up front with Kevin Bremner. We had Steve Wood at the back, Andy Rogers, Steve Rich. He was there for a decade. But the most ex- for me, the most exciting player was Michael Jilks. When he got that ball, and you just did not know what was going to happen next, but he was so quick. I used to love seeing him run down the wing. And it's just, he must have been quite young at that age as well. Must have been early 20s, mustn't he? Because I'm trying to think yeah. now because he, he was a, he was, a, was that, was that his first full season with us? Mm, I'm not sure. I think he was there the season before. I'm not completely sure that you could be right. Maybe there was on loan, maybe from, I think he was at Southampton before that, wasn't he? Uh, but, no, he was at Leicester. Oh, yes, Leicester. He went on loan yeah. to Southampton in 91, yeah. 92. He went to Chelsea as yeah. well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But amazing uh, times. And also the best ever game that I've been to during that season in 85, 86, Plymouth Argyle. Now, if you are listening <laughs> to this and you remember that game, it was absolutely incredible. Seeing a team come from 3-0 down to beat the team that was second place and just behind us. And best of all, our neighbour was in the tireless den with us and he was a Plymouth fan. He was so smug at half time. He was all over it. And oh, he actually left early in the end. He just couldn't take it. <laughs> um, I hope he wasn't getting, giving you a lift. Oh, no, definitely not. Because I used to live just off the Oxford Road behind the Pond House. 
Right. So yeah. We just walked back. That was the great thing about having uh, a ground that was right in the kind of like the hub of Redden Town, was yeah. having it there and all the pubs around it, the Spread Eagle and everything. But that's what I miss is the fact with the Medesky being so far out of town. I love the ground. I don't have any issues with it. I love both the ground. But having it there in the middle, that is what I miss uh, about the football now. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I totally buy that. So just going, I'm just doing a little bit of a sort of geographical tour of Elm Park. We've mentioned mm. a few little sort of uh, landmarks and whatnot. So the North Stand, the seats, that was the main stand where the club offices were. Uh, it was the only seated area in the ground. Um, on the Norfolk Road, um, you had, and if you're looking at the pitch to the right-hand side, the tireless end, which is where um, Paul has, uh, has, has already mentioned. And in the corner of that is the Spread Eagle pub, just across the Norfolk Road. Um, and then um, across the pitch from the north stand is the south bank, and it's the covered area. Um, and as you're looking at it, to the left-hand side is where the, the, the vocal contingent pretty much put themselves which is where um i certainly ended up mm. uh, towards the town end which is the away end yeah. um which saw some interesting times didn't it <laughs> yeah definitely yeah that was the place uh, to be wasn't it you don't want to really be once you got to a certain age you didn't really want to be in the tireless end not not myself anyway i'm sure there's other fans that did like it in there they weren't quite so rowdy but for me, if I remember rightly, there there was a uh, there was a a little sort of cartoon strip in the fanzine back then, the Heaven Eleven fanzine. Oh God, I uh, remember called, that. Wow. Called, yeah, yeah, uh, it was geriatric, and he was a tireless ender. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of G E R Y A T, and then second name A T R I C K, and yeah, it was a tireless ender, which gives you the kind of idea of the the general dynamic in that in in that end. It was it was an amusing an amusing uh, an amusing read. So, oh yeah, I used to love the fanzines. I remember the uh, taking the biscuit. Was it? Was that one? Taking the biscuit. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I'm not sure. Uh, the whiff. Yeah. Oh, the the whiff, whiff was the yeah, one the whiff, that yeah. started up in uh, the, the last season at Elm Park, wasn't it? Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. There were there were a few others as well knocking around, um, but the one that really really um, I remember is Heaven Eleven. Um, it's the one that I I I, I bought. Um, Routinely went back in ninety four, ninety five, yeah. And they're a they're a dying breed now. There aren't many clubs that have got them anymore, are there? Um, yeah, I'm trying I, to I think. think some of them might have had issues with libel now, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> quite possibly, um, quite possibly. There are some still knocking around though. Um, Fly yeah. me to the moon at Middlesbrough, I think, is still going. Um, is it Square Ball at Leeds? They've still got oh, one. Yes, yes, um, right. But it's kind of changed format. It's not quite like it was. It was very, no, it's... Um, um, it was the kind of conversations you'd have in the pub or with your mates, but just in print, wasn't it? it there was no filter at all. Which, which no, was really no, great. no, exactly. Um, and funnily enough, even in the match day programme back then, the uh, the supporters club had a had a page, and I distinctly recall he's now passed away now. Um, uh, Gary Purser, mm. who was uh, uh, on the board of the supporters club. Um, he, he wrote an article in there and it was uh, um, about um, Cardiff fans, I think it was, um, after their FA Cup tie in 98. And um, I think he uh, he got a, I'm not sure, it, it was some kind of official warning, I think it was, bless uh, him. But yeah, um, mm. you can kind of understand why he felt the need to, to pen what he did, given no. what happened that night. 
Uh, if, I don't, well, presumably you were there for that night, Paul. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, it's... Um, yeah, I can see why these things happen. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. promotion. And then your next two seasons, they're in Division 2, as was, in Old Money. Mm. Yeah, um, no, that was interesting. I... Going up there, Dave, that was... I was like, oh, we're playing clubs that I know. <laughs> it's like I've seen some of these on TV and you've got to remember saying about the 85-86 season it's so typical that we actually managed to do really well but there's no footage of it because there was a TV ban during that season I just uh-huh. think it's the so Reading FC that we do that but yeah going up into the first division was really really exciting I massively enjoyed that and we didn't do too badly in the first season and that was my one season when I actually got into a corporate box at Elm Park. <laughs> was... What was so? so have it, I, I've been to hospitality at the Malaysia. I never went to Elm Park. I mean, what what, what was it like? Ragged. <laughs> 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 it was basically a box. I mean, it was what it was in the time. It was basically a box with a cheap bit of glass on the front of it. And you sat there and you had like a plug-in heater in front of you <laughs> to keep his mouth warm. <laughs> I don't know how I got in yeah. there. I think what it was is uh, at the time my mum worked at the Reading Chronicle and she was friends with Alan Porton, who was head of sport at Reading for Reading FC for their coverage. That right. Point. Yeah. You know, I was a young kid and he thought just as a treat, he'd get me in there or something. But yeah, it was really weird watching the game there because you couldn't hear any noise really. It was really weird. I didn't enjoy that. I wanted to get outside, but they wouldn't let me. It's very odd that one. I'm trying to. I'm just trying to picture it. So I, I mean, you get a nice sort of three course meal these days. Yeah, I can imagine it was. <laughs> I can imagine back then it was just you know like sort of English tapas. It was. Um, um, I, don't think, well, I don't think that was even peanuts and crisps. More like provide your own food. There's a packet of crisps <laughs> in the shop on the way in. That news agent that used to be outside the North Stand. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, I think I, I vaguely recall that. Yeah, yeah. pop in there, get yourself a drink at the Spread Eagle before, and you'll be sorted. <laughs> it's like, I remember we finished thirteenth, didn't yes. we? Well, I say I remember. I wasn't. I was. Well, I mean, I was. I was five, so I, I wasn't. I hadn't even been to my first game, so I can't say I remember it. But I know we finished thirteenth. Um, yeah, it was heartbreaking and... to lose Trevor Senior there at point. So in this season, it's kind of like the summer after that because. He was such a key player in during that time, and to see him move on really was the start of the end of Reading FC in that division. We did have a little bit of glory, which I'm sure you'll come up to in a minute, but yeah, it was hard time seeing like uh, being a young kid. You don't realize how players move on and how it mm-hmm. works in football, and you're really heartbroken by that. But as I think you, re- you realize it's a career like any other, isn't it? Yeah, well, exactly. I, I remember my first proper. Um, player leaving heartbreak uh, was my, was Michael Jilts. You mentioned <laughs> him earlier. I mean, he was he he was and remains my favourite ever Reading player. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, of course, he went he went to leading Wolves as well with Mark McGee. Um, <laughs> yeah, which wasn't exactly ideal, but yeah, no, I exa- know exactly how you feel. But uh, yeah, so we yeah we finished thirteenth. Of course, we lost Trevor Senior. We lost him for two years. He came back mm. in the end, didn't he? Yeah, he um, did. It was so exciting when he came. When he came back, it was like the prodigal son has, re- has arrived. He has risen again. He has come from the dead and he is going to save us. <laughs> and he was never quite the same, but still, the man 
outside the box, he was not a brilliant player. He'd admit that himself. But in front of goal, wow, did he find a way of scoring goals. He didn't care how they went in at all. And just for a machine. Us. How much would he be worth now, Dave? I mean, oh, God, I mean, oh, he would be, absolutely. But, you know, you say he only ever did it for us, though, didn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah he, he, did, went yeah. To, he went to Watford. Mm. Um, the Watford fans don't really have particularly fond memories of him. Middlesbrough as well. Mm. Um, and likewise, um, similar similar vein to Watford, he comes back to us and, and carries on the goal scoring. It was just something that we did. Yeah, we, you know, yeah, we, got, so we got the best out of him. Yeah, um, got the ball in the box a lot, basically, uh, which mm-hmm. is what he wanted. Um, talking about senior as we are, I remember that during the, as it's come out afterwards, in the 85-86 season, that Norwich tried to sign him. He went up there had chats, agreed to sign. Then he watched them play and realised, this is from Trevor Senior himself, I've heard this, they play too much football, I can't go there. (laughs) 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 You know, he's very very self-effacing, Trevor, so he's a lovely bloke, yeah. So, yeah, second season syndrome struck. Mm, Yeah, it hit us badly with, obviously, Senior going, Colin Gordon coming in. Now, I have an irrational dislike for Colin Gordon. It's based on, <laughs> I was just so gutted that Trevor Senior had gone. And he wasn't as good. But I'm sure he gave everything on the pitch. But wow, when I was stood there at the, in the uh, South Bank watching him, my anger was raising as probably 11 or a 12-year-old. I mean, I was seething. <laughs> I was like, how could we let Senior go and bring in this idiot? <laughs> it's kind of... But he tried, he had one night of glory during that period and that season. When we went to Chelsea... And managed to knock them out of it would have been I think the Littlewoods Cup maybe yes. at that time. Yeah, and yeah, we needed two goals and he delivered. So he always has yeah, that moment. But yeah, again, I can't see the footage. It's just so annoying, Dave. Just, yeah, just... there's there's only first leg footage, isn't there? Because mm. back this back in the day when the when the uh, League Cup ties were two legged. Yeah, I, that um, game the game at Elm Park was incredible. That's when Martin Hicks hit probably the only free kick he absolutely spanked in for about 35 yards out. Yep, yep, yeah. Again, worth worth looking at on, on YouTube. Um, and the celebrations as well. Just just a handshake and a, <laughs> and a just trot back to the, uh, trot back to, or well, beyond the halfway line. And let's get on with the game, lads. I think that put us, did that put us 2 up? Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. Because, um, uh, yeah, because we won 3-1 because Michael Jilks got two. Uh, yeah, talk about Martin Hicks. Though. There was no Jesse Lingard celebration there, was there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. No, I think the one that actually really started introducing the dancing celebrations was Lee Sharp, wasn't it? Of oh, the United. Yeah. yeah, I remember uh, that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so yeah. a bit, bit before then, yeah, handshake and just, just trot back. <laughs> um, so yeah, we won the first leg three one, didn't we? And we, and we, we got the two goals that we needed because we lost the second leg three two, but knocked mm. them out. Um, Amazing, yeah. Which was a, at that point, Chelsea were definitely not at their peak, but to knock out Chelsea, I remember listening to that on Radio Two One Zero. That is so long ago, and the commentary. I was like, "What's going on here? <laughs> this, is not, <laughs> this is not normal. This is not what I'm used to hearing at all." I was like, "Oh," and I couldn't. I would have been able to sleep after that. Uh, I just would have been too excited and going into school the next day. And the weird thing about supporting Reading then. Maybe it's slightly different now. I don't know because we've been a little bit more successful. As there was hardly any Reading fans to school in my class, they were all Man United or Liverpool, pro- predominantly yeah. Liverpool at that point. So this is exactly what what Neil said last week um, on, in episode two was that it was all yeah United, Liverpool, Arsenal, mm. Spurs, mm. 
there were no Chelsea fans, no City fans, really. And it was the same in my school. Um, we did have one Newcastle fan, uh, but he was a Geordie, so you, know, you can let him, you can let him off enough. for that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was exactly the same. Um, nobody supported Reading except me in my school. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I held it like a badge of honour, though. I was like, I'm going yeah. to support my local team, and that's it. I don't want to support anyone else, so good or bad. I'm going to just put up with this and I'm going to suffer. And when we do something good, it's going to be, it's going to be so incredible when it happens because you appreciate it way more. If you support Manchester United or someone, they're crying in tears when they finish third in the Premier League. You're like, get some perspective. <laughs> you know, it's not exactly. that bad. <laughs> it's kind of like suffer. Part of football is suffering. It's a big part if you support Reading. But it is because you can't. I, I'm the kind of person who sits there when we get relegated or a team gets promoted, and I look at the away end and I think I remember that. And when we do something good again, get promoted, that would be us instead. That, that's what my <laughs> mind works, Dave. It's a bit worrying, I admit. But <laughs> no, no, no. It's exactly the same for me. Mm. Um, uh, obviously, we 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 we've seen the glory years of Reading. Really, mm. um, yeah. We saw the. Uh, um, plenty of, well, I say plenty of promotions. We've seen three promotions over the last um, 15 years, plenty of playoff um, uh, campaigns. Obviously, all of them failed. But um, when it comes to promotions in particular, you look at other teams um, celebrating and you just, and you, you feel that that will be us one day, you yeah. know, but you you feel like you've got, us. I certainly feel like I've got to stick with it. Mm. regardless, you know, because then if I don't stick with it, then that promotion won't feel quite as good. No, no, I, I, I totally agree with you. So Reading is part of me. I'm from Reading. I live in Reading and I love Reading. You know, that is part of me and that will never be taken away. Uh, I feel it. Couldn't say it better myself. So you mentioned, you mentioned earlier that, you know, long suffering, Suffering Reading fan, and we, we've obviously we've ended up being relegated at the end of uh, '88. But of course, mm. our only ever Wembley win was uh, was at the back end of that season. And in true Reading style, because we got relegated, we weren't able to actually um, uh, defend our trophy, <laughs> the glory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so the Simod Cup. I mean, again, this is before my time going to Reading. So I, you know, I've still, I, I, I yeah. I can imagine, you know, winning winning a trophy at Wembley, and it wasn't just, it wasn't, it wasn't so much a Mickey Mouse trophy back then, from what I understand, what some people would would consider it, because, you know, teams, yes, all right, some of the big big first division teams didn't enter it. It was supposed to be a competition to fill in the European ban, wasn't it? Um, yeah. So United and Liverpool, and I think Everton and a few others didn't didn't enter the competition. But we still beat First Division QPR. We still beat First Division Nottingham Forest with Brian Clough and Neil mm. Webb. And, and, you know, Forest were a top, top team back then. And, and we beat in Coventry in the semis yeah. and First Division Luton in the, um, you know, so we beat, and we beat Oxford United on the way as well. Uh, but Second Division fodder. Um, so we, we, beat some, we beat some big, big teams, really, um, at the time. Yeah, all no, first division teams to win it. Yeah, yeah, I remember starting going to it, and I was like, "Oh, 
so we beat QPR. I mean, I'm not sure what that means. I would have been more excited about their plastic pitch right then, to be honest. So, okay, <laughs> so like, that's a big win. Okay, that's a huge win. Okay, then we're starting to motor. I think it was Oxford maybe in the next round. Yeah, was it beat Bradford? them 2-1, then I think. it was Bradford maybe. Oh, yeah, I forgot Bradford. Yeah, 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 yeah. sorry. So we're starting to them. Think, okay, well, that's building it. You know, the crowds weren't huge, but I was going to every game that was at home. I didn't go to the QPR one. But, so then it think, was the Forest one, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, the Forest one is when he got really excited because we also saw the return of Neil Webb, who I yep. saw play for Reading, but obviously a Reading legend. Obviously went on to play for England and Manchester United. Mm-hmm. But he had Brian Clough there in the ground as well. And I was going with my mum to these games. I'm not sure why, because my dad was working shifts at this point. And she wanted to go. She was really into football at this time. And um, she's like, oh, at full time against Forest. Oh, shall we go home now? It's done. I'm like, no, there's extra time. <laughs> this is how it works. <laughs> I was like, this is golden time for me, mum. You know, it's like, I get extra football. <laughs> it was like a drug dealer being told, you can have these for free. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. I've never taken drugs. <laughs> oh, same here, Dave. Yeah, definitely. But uh, it's, it was so, oh, I just loved it. Memories of looking back on it, but obviously the peak was against Coventry and the game couldn't kick off because there was too many people coming in. The excitement of seeing a completely rammed. I've never seen Elm Park so rammed as that. We had the Arsenal game in the cup match before, but this was insanely busy. The excitement building around the whole of the town. It's like, oh, we could go to Wembley and a lot of self-doubters even at Reading at that point. It's, we're a team, kind of like a town of self-doubters of our team. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, we won't do it, won't do it. And then when we get there, we're like, we're all going. <laughs> That's it. We're all good jumping on that train. I think but... it's key to point out here, um, isn't it, that trips to Wembley did not come around no. very often at all. No. It, it was literally your League Cup final, your FA Cup final. Um, was the um, the was it the Freight Rover Trophy, the yes. Sherpa Van Trophy back then as well? Yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, in this instance, the Simod Cup, and it soon it soon turned into the Zenith Day Existence Cup. <laughs> Um, they were they were your opportunities to go to Wembley to see your team play. Um, oh, you didn't have FA Cup semi-finals. Um, playoffs were in their infancy if they were around then, and initially were two-legged finals. Um, they didn't start being played at Wembley, I think, until was it the late the very eighty nine or ninety something yes, like that? I think it was then. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you didn't get your you know obviously semi-finals weren't at Wembley. They were always at a neutral ground. Um, somewhere around the country. Um, and the only other time you got to go to Wembley was when England played. Um, and that was it. So you literally had to see your club play. You had f- potentially four opportunities um, maximum. Well, three, actually. Um, and, and that was it. So it was a big, big deal back then. Oh, yeah, and it's still when, a big deal now, but it was a yeah. huge deal back then. Yeah, when Jill scored that win in penalty. I mean, I, was, I, was, I, was, I didn't actually see the ball go in. Because I was too small, <laughs> but I knew it going in. I mean, you'd have to be a complete lunatic to not realize. Absolute, as they would say now, Dave, scenes, absolute limbs <laughs> and scenes when it went in. And oh, running on the pitch, Jilksy running off. It was, it was everything you could want. And they're just thinking about going to Wembley and getting a ticket. That ticket was like Willy Wonka's golden ticket. It was incredible to have that. And I just, Oh, thinking about it now, it gives me like goosebumps going into Wembley and seeing us play. Look, I was there so early with my parents. We were probably three o'clock kickoff, I think it was. And we were there probably about half one, just absorbing the whole magnificence of Wembley. And the screens had a digital display, which, you know, 
Elpart didn't have that. It had these wooden things that he slotted in and out. <laughs> it's like, this is a whole <laughs> new world and the day of winning. Oh, just oh, remarkable day. And a day that I will still say, as a one-off day, is still my favourite day supporting Reading. Because the whole town came together like I've never seen before. Do you think that could ever be topped? I guess if we got to play a final and won, and crowds were obviously in there, back to normal... Yeah, um, obviously, if we, uh, the thing that would really top it is if we got to a cup final, a proper one, you know, FA League, doesn't matter which one, get to yep. one of those. And then we're talking really, really huge. I think it would be bigger, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I agree. I think if there's one thing that I would dearly, dearly love to see Reading Football Club do in my lifetime is not just play in a cup final, but win, mm. win a major trophy. If yeah. only to stick two fingers up to the Swindon and Oxford fans in my area that that, uh, that that keep telling me, yeah, we've got a League Cup, we've got more major trophies than you. Um, <laughs> yeah, but at least yeah, we've got the one thing... with four sides, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> very true, very true. Um, yeah, no, I think that's the one thing that I that I would really dearly love. I mean, we've seen Redden in the Premier League. We've seen them get to probably the highest position they'll ever get to, with it, unless the game, mm. I think, takes a fundamental change, takes place in the Premier League, uh, and a you know one point one goal away from Europe um, is the best I think we'll we'll see us do in in present day. But every now and then you do, you just get that little bit of that little bit of luck in terms of a cup run. Mm. Um, and you only got to take a look back at two thousand and thirteen when um, was it two thousand and thirteen that Swansea did they win the the League Cup back then. Yeah, was yeah, it 2012 final, wasn't it? I yeah, yeah. Um, and I think was it the same? It was either the same season or the season before. Um, but yeah, Wigan won it in 2013 before getting relegated three days later. And so it is possible for a club to do to get to a cup final and and, and win it occasionally. Um, by and large, it is one of the big six, big eight clubs that that will win it. But just occasionally, you do get that opportunity, and when that opportunity comes around, you've got to take it, haven't you? And I'm sure that's what Hull fans will be saying um, and Palace fans will be saying after their finals in, in recent years. I think Hull were 2 up, weren't they, against Arsenal? Yeah. Palace took the lead late on against United. Yeah, it just brings back memories of the Federici moment when it just all goes slightly wrong. I mean, I always think that if it hadn't been for Federici, we wouldn't have even got to extra time. He played incredibly well during that game. Yes, the yeah. Game. So I always give it that context. But it, that felt like our moment. That felt like our game when just Arsenal was so below par. And we played brilliantly that day. Just not in any context of the season. It just it suddenly came from nowhere. And we just had the momentum. There was so much pressure on Arsenal. I remember coming out after that game. And Arsenal fans, their main emotion was relief. Which you can understand. Yeah. If they'd have lost to us, it would have been horrendous. But if we would have got to the final... Yeah, they said they were a hiding to nothing, weren't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think if we got to the final, I think we could have beaten Aston Villa. Um, yes, yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. I think we'd have certainly put in a better performance than uh, than they did against Arsenal. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, they, they, they would, they were eminently beatable that year, weren't mm-hmm. they? So moving to, if we could move back a little bit, I think um, we were in a doldrums a little bit once we got relegated. Finances mm-hmm. were rubbish. Branford, um, his popularity waned. Porterfield couldn't really turn the ship round. Um, and financially, you know, as they proverbially say, up shit freak without a battle, really. Yeah, um, basically. It was grim. And, 
Grim and to John Medeski. Yeah, when Medeski came in, we did not realise. He came in in 1990? Yes. Yeah, yeah, him to come in. I remember reading the programme that he was in and thinking, okay, I, I don't know this person. What's he going to do? But we need something. Um, obviously, he was involved with Auto Trader and all these things. But, wow, what a man. Um, if anyone deserves a stand, if we ever do rename the stadium, it really should be a stand named after Sir John Medeski. Absolutely. He made my dreams come true for Reading. And I think any Reading fans that have watched us in the last 15 years, if you've got to have some gratitude towards the man, he built the stadium, he gave us a team, and he gave Reading fans pride when they walked in the streets and they met other fans from other clubs because we achieved things we never thought we could do. And to have those moments when we were winning against Manchester United, yes, we got the draw, but we had those games. And to beat Liverpool... I mean, just incredible seasons we had. I mean, the last 20 years we've been in, almost 20 years, we're coming up to being in the second tier at least. I mean, that is an incredible run. And that all started under Medeski. And I can never thank him enough for what he's given me because without him, I think we'd still be scrapping around in the kind of third tier. I don't think we'd be at this level or anywhere near it incredible he'd I mean I'm sure some of it is because he wanted to get out there and is you know we all have these egos and things and but did we massively gain from it yes and we went through a lot of suffering early on but his one thing always about Amadeuski I'd say is he flip-flopped between managerial genius appointments and what the hell is that <laughs> he, never, he never knew what was coming and his first real massive stroke of genius was appointing Mark McGee. Um, very controversial controversial figure now in Reading FC folklore, but getting him in changed the club dramatically. Um, um, but uh, one player I also used to get mentioned from that era is Darius Dovchuk. What a player. Yes. centre-half. I mean, he talked to AD about Darius, and he just oh, you could talk about him for hours. He's just an absolute brilliant defender. Just a lovely cultured left foot as well. What a player he was. He just, you could tell he played at a higher level and he was kind of, he looked like he was on about, I'd say, third gear for most games. Mm -hmm. He never really got into fifth gear. Yeah. But yeah, really top player. No, absolutely. He was a free transfer as well, mm. wasn't he? Yeah. From, from yeah, Celtic. He yeah. Um, yeah, wonderful, wonderful defender. Still wish, still wish he hadn't gone to ground though when Fabian de Freitas was going through on goal. Oh, don't do that to me, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only just getting uh, over the therapy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you, I mean, we're talking about 94-95 now. This is uh, back in Division One mm. or Division Two, as it used to be called, um, when Paul first started going, um, and um, again a very successful season that was built on the foundations of Mark McGee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he obviously did go on to leave. And wow, that went down like an absolute lead balloon, didn't it? <laughs> that was uh, another one of those situations which John Medeski had to deal with, with the manager leaving, saying he's going to stay, and then leaving. And with that season, there's a game that always stands out for me, and that is the game after he left. It was on TV. I was there, and it was the 4-2 game against Wolves. Just, I don't know why. For me, that is a real iconic game at Elm Park. Just seeing Jill scoring, Jimmy Quinn, Scott Taylor, another player 
who I think just gets forgotten in yeah. the world of Reading FC. But he went to Leicester and got the injury. But another incredibly talented player who would have done better, I think, without the injuries. I think so. I think so, absolutely. Um, it's just all action uh, mm. and, all, and, and no, no little quality. I think he scored mm. uh, in that 94-95 season from midfield. He scored nine goals. Um, I think more off the bench than, uh, than not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very, very high quality player. No, no surprise that he went for what was a sizable fee then to Leicester. Mm. Um, a six, a six-figure fee was it seven hundred, seven hundred fifty thousand pounds, something like that. So, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, when that point. when that team got broken up. Yeah, no, no. It was it's such a shame when you look at the players that we had in that team. If we, it's hard to know what would have happened if we would have got promoted. We could have done a Swindon, which they'd done in the Premier League as it was then, or probably the Premiership, whatever it was called. It was a kind of. You just look back at those games, and one another game that stands out for me. I think it was against Bolton. And we won 1-0 on a Friday night. And I remember leaving work and I think, oh, I get in here dead easy. You know, it's Reading. It's going to be no problems in the South Bank. Queuing for an hour to get in. <laughs> it was like something you never saw at Elm Park. And when Lee Nogan goes through from uh, yet another player, Simon Osborne. Simon Osborne. Whoa. I mean, he had... For me, it's between him and Gelfi as my favourite ever midfielders at Reading. Both incredibly talented and just could ping a pass to any player when they wanted to. And yeah, just remember when it went in and the noise in the South Bank coming off the roof. It was electric there. And I'm sure you were there as well, Dave, but it was just incredible. Yeah, I, I was. I was there. I'd, I'd, uh, I'd come back from Germany um, for the, uh, the second half of that season. Um, so yeah, I started going to a lot, to, to many more games, um, living up near the other side of Oxford, um, as I, as I was at the time. Mm. Um, yes, I was there Friday night. It was actually two one that we won. Um, <laughs> yeah, it but... <laughs> was. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. yeah. Um, yeah. So an, an early Archie level opener, wasn't it? With mm. uh, I think David Lee equalised for Bolton just after half time, um, and we were under the cosh um, back then, uh, really in that second half. Was that an incredible uh, off-the-line clearance from Osborne? From Simon Osborne. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the best yeah. save of the night that was. That was probably <laughs> save of the season. It was unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable save. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Simon Osborne was a player um, that, you know, you, you simply will not hear a bad word said about him from a Reading fan. No. Um, for a player to have such an impact on a club, um, and he didn't even have a year with us. Um, and the same can be said, you know, in, in terms of first-team games, the same can be said for Gilfie as well. Mm. Um, they were both, you know, they both have had such an effect on on Reading fans, um, and that speaks volumes for the actual quality of the player. I think. Yeah, he's also a top bloke as well, Simon Osborne. <laughs> so <laughs> that also helps. But just he scored the goal against Oldham with the incredible chip over their goalie, and the commentator saying, "Did he mean that?" It's I'm just, it's sure just, he, just he, he, he scooped it, didn't he? Yeah. I've not seen a player player do it before or since. No. No, he's not, he's not chipped it or you know, just kind of um, studded it into the floor like Meza Urzil does. He's actually got his foot right underneath the ball on the move and actually scooped it over the keeper, left him for absolute. It's an unbelievable finish. Yeah, just it's I've never seen it before or since. Mm. No, I remember talking to him about that and. He said, oh, I've been trying it in training. And he thought, I'll oh, just do it. It just felt natural. Just do it. Just do it now. And you think, 
yeah, I, I've, I've often felt that when I was playing on the park there, Simon. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> the finish actually completely um, overshadows the touch that he had just before the finish, which was just that yeah. little little dink, and it goes through the olden player's legs. Um, and, you know, I tell you, if, if, if Messi or Ronaldo or uh, old Ronaldo or new Ronaldo or Ronaldinho or any other player scores a goal like that in the top division, it just gets played over and over and over again, and it's unreal, and it just doesn't get the recognition that it deserves. But yeah, heartbreak at the end of the season. I think we've done that to death, but it'll be good to go in, go, you know, I've done it to death in previous episodes, but your feelings of that day, I can imagine they're fairly, fairly obvious. Uh, well, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on here, Dave. But... Oh, I've already done it once. Yes, you can. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely shit, to be honest. <laughs> like, really, what was the worst thing about the day was I got food poisoning as well on oh, the right. same day. <laughs> <laughs> Dodgy KFC on the way home. I thought, oh, oh no. I had that. And then to top it off with that, Dave, uh, I was quite literally as sick as a parrot. <laughs> oh, dear. I can I can imagine a food poison isn't the best, isn't good at the best of times. But no, it's not. Oh, but, Christ. Oh, summed it up the day really. It's just oh, it was. It could feel the. It was the start of those horrible journeys home from Wembley. It was, and so that that um, started the downward spiral, didn't it? I mean, the team was broken mm. up. Um, we lost Shaka to Newcastle for a club record 1.75 million, was it? We lost Scotty Taylor, as we mentioned. Um, Simon Osborne went to QPR, um, who had only signed um, in the, the July or the August before. Mm. Um, and um, we, it was always going to be difficult to replace those players, and we didn't. Um, and, yeah, so it, and, and ultimately, after two battles against relegation, under Jimmy Quinn and Mick Gooding, that horrible, terrible season that we, I think we feared, um, it arose, didn't it? It, it arrived with yeah. um, with Terry Bullivant. Um, oh. And unfortunately, the last season at Elm Park. And what a way to go out. Yeah, it was um, the worst way to possibly go. And did we start that season with a 1-0 home defeat to Swindon as well? Um, that was the second game. Uh, we drew one all up game. at Berry, who had just been oh, promoted. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I remember... Um... Neil Warnock's Berry, I think. Oh, God, wow. There's a blast, isn't there? Yeah, he, <laughs> hasn't, he hasn't haunted us or durbled us or annoyed us at any point, has he? Not at all. No, no, <laughs> but a very quiet, unassuming man. Yeah, yeah. Everybody loves Colin. Definitely not. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that um, you could feel it was coming. And I, I felt for Quinn and Gooden at that point because they were getting... I wasn't expecting us to do as well as the season when we got to the player final, but the drop-off was huge. You can't let those players go and not replace them. Um, I also see what Medeski was doing now many years on. You realise he has to balance the books. But it's hard as a fan because once you've got used to winning games over a period of two years and then all of a sudden your team is really quite poor, it's it's deflating, isn't it? Yeah. But you still keep going. But there's another player that you mentioned earlier during that area, Trevor Morley. What a striker he was for us. And he never gets brought up in that kind of like group of maybe not top level, but very, very good for us. Yes, exactly. Um, and made all the more remarkable because I think in his second or third game, his third game, um, he had his head absolutely smashed in by John Gittins at Pompey. Now, John Gittins, obviously, well, not necessarily obvious to everybody, is sadly departed, um, God rest his soul. But, um, yeah, he um, he left an elbow on Trevor Morley's head, which left Trevor Morley having a metal plate inserted, uh, mm -hmm. which he's got to live with for the rest of his life. 
Um, so he had three or four months out, um, Trevor Morley, with a fractured skull, um, but came back and was, um, and particularly in 96, 97, pretty much kept us up single-handedly. His form in the second half of 96, 97, up until the point where he did his cruise ship, um, was phenomenal. Um, it was just you know, obscene. You know, it was the 35-year-old striker, I think he was then, and he scored 20 goals, 20, 21 goals that season, and, and three quarters of those came in that three-month spell after Christmas. Yeah, yeah, it is sensational. When you look at the players that he had around him, I don't know how he did it. <laughs> because <laughs> there really wasn't that much there at that point. So, obviously, he'd played many years in the top league, hadn't he, by this point. But a really, really impressive player. And just It wasn't just the goals he scored. He was such a team player. He wasn't one of these players who you think, oh, he's not going to give 100%. You know, he's, he's, he has his on and off days. He gave 100% in every single match, I thought, with Morley. Exactly. And, and, and yeah. in many ways, um, it was very similar to Jimmy Quinn because mm. he could score yeah. all types of goals. You know, he, he, <clears throat> he was um, superlative in the air. Um, yeah. But his, he, could, he could score from outside the box. He could score from inside the box. He could play with his back to goal. He could play... Um, he, could, you know, he, he used to like to run the channels and work hard. You know, he could play a, a whole different um, different game dependent on what was required of him. And, you know, before you, you think you've seen every single type of finish from him. And then, you know, he comes up with a goal like he scored against Norwich in 96-97. Mm. You know, and everybody remembers that Trevor Sinclair overhead kick in the FA Cup. Mm. And, yeah, I don't think Trevor Morley's was quite as good, but it was very, very similar. <laughs> It's just the skill of scoring an overhead kick from that kind of distance is not normal, is it? At 35 years, 35 years old, you know? If I'd have done that when I was 35, I'd still be in bed. (laughs) (laughs) But we ended up going down at the end of 97, 98. Um, Terry Bullivan didn't last the whole season. And he ended with um, a horrible, horrible run of results. There was the 5-1 at Stockport, the 4-0 at Sheffield United, mm. horrible 3-0 um, at home to Port Vale, who were bottom of the table at the time. Tranmere Rovers as well were towards the bottom end of the table. They absolutely annihilated us. And the icing on the cake was that 3-0 defeat at Oxford. What do you remember about that? I just remember thinking, this is horrible. <laughs> this is really really a nasty time to be a Redden fan it was the worst case scenario wasn't it Dave you've got I've got this situation that just seemed to be spiraling out of control and at that it when that point I thought how are we ever going to get out of this it, we're losing money all the time we don't seem to have a direction the managers seem to be continuously bad this was definitely during Medeski's what the hell are these appointments? But when Tommy Burns came in, I wasn't thinking that. He was, was the big thinking, name that we wanted, really wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, he was Celtic. He was a big name. He was a huge name in football. There's no doubt on that. Kind of not as big as, but it had a kind of like little feel for kind of ill in relative terms. Like when Yapstam came in, Yapstam came in. <laughs> and you think... Surely he's going to do something. He's been at a huge, huge club. And Celtic were even bigger then, much bigger than they are now, as in kind of European ties and all that kind of thing. Far more respected, the uh, Scottish League. But, oh, it was, it never felt right at all. And just the players didn't seem to, it got to a point where the players, 
in that horrible zone of just not respecting the manager. That's what it felt like. And once you reach that point, you've got to you've got to move on because it can just it can make the whole club toxic and the fan base really, really quick. Yeah, quite quite. Yeah, um, I remember Van de Quack and Gold and all these kind of signings, and it was oh, it was just such a downgrade from what we'd had before. It was it was. Oh, I couldn't really see any way out of it at that point. It was so disappointing to go to this incredible, sensational new season, season stadium. And we had, the, obviously, the good start against uh, there against Luton. We had Massar, who was for one day kind of like George Weir. <laughs> Unplayable. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that was it, wasn't it? I mean, it was so exciting seeing these situations happening, kind of going to the, the new ground. I don't know why, Dave, but in the first game, I just decided I was going to sit before I got a season ticket. I thought I'd decide where I'm going to be. And I thought, okay, I'll sit Upper West. Now, I've barely been to a game in Upper West ever since. I think it was the sad, geeky part of me that thought, I want to see the whole of the pitch and sit in the second tier at a Reading game. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought, I want to go to an upper tier game. But, oh, the football is not good and... Just Parky is what comes through that team for me. Just the heartbeat of Reading there, and just he tried everything. I love Parky 100%. He's a total legend at the club. But if he's possibly one of your best players, that's not necessarily a good sign. That might be harsh, maybe, but I think maybe you know what I mean. No, I, in, in terms of technical ability, you're absolutely right. I mean, nobody could, could beat him for 100% heartbeat no. um, of the team. Um, but you've got to have quality around you. And when, yeah, um, the signings that Tommy Burns made, um, I mean, he, he went on, I think he went on record, didn't he? Um, not long after the season started, or certainly about halfway through the season, saying um, that he underestimated the quality of the division, um, the Division yeah. 2, as it was then. Um, and he'd made, by that point, something like, Plenty signings. You know, you've got to remember yeah. that, that that 97, sorry, the 98 99 season, the first season in the Medeski, I think we've played something like 48 players throughout the season in the league alone, which mm. tells you a lot um, about what was going on at the time. And Tommy Burns spent a lot of money, but it wasn't necessarily on. Um, four or five players. I think he spent something like four and a half million pounds in total, which again, at the time, but put it into some context, it would be similar for a, you know, a division two team um, these days spending 20 million pounds. So um, yeah. it's not going to, it's not, I mean, it's, it's not going to happen. I don't think, but certainly not, not right now. Um, but he spent a lot of money on lots of players, but these were players that were being signed for £100,000 here, £50,000 there. You know, one of the weirdest ones for me was Tony Barris, who was, oh, signed, who was signed on transfer deadline day. Before the, the idea of transfer windows as well, put another little bit of context in here. You were able to sign players um, from pretty much all the way through the season, and there was a transfer deadline day, a cut-off point at which... You had to finish the season with what you had. And it was something like nine or ten games before the end of the season. Um, but you could sign and sell players and loan players willy-nilly up until that point. And this transfer deadline day, was uh, we, signed, we signed Tony Barris alongside Andy McLaren, Alan Mabry, um, 
and Tony Barris, as I mentioned, and a couple of others as well who who who's, who and you just think you, know, you think back and you know they're not exactly synonymous with Reading Football Club, but we signed Tony Barris for money, and then at the end of the season, I think he, he played six or seven games for us towards the back end of that season. We lost probably three quarters of those games, and then at the end of the season, he sold to Walsall for the same money that we've actually signed him for. It's just some players there you've mentioned there that are just going to give me nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, we moved on, didn't we, Dave? And things started to get a little bit better. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thankfully, um, Madowski saw, and you know, I, I hate to speak ill of, of of any former manager, but he he wasn't up to the job. Um, Tommy Burns at the time, God rest his soul. Um, but yeah, he 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 didn't leave the club in a particularly great state. Um, but Alan Pardew um, came in initially with John Gorman as his assistant, which didn't go down particularly well at the time. And you know the the results just weren't there. Um, I think we went on a thirteen match um, uh, run where we didn't win a game. And I remember a game. Personally, remember a game we played Notts County at home. Notts County were under Sam Allardyce at the time, and we absolutely battered them. Mm. Um, and somehow they managed to scrape away with a nil-nil draw um, uh, it, it, within that run. And you know, we couldn't buy a win for love nor money. And then Gorman, there was a there was a gentleman's agreement with with Reading Football Club because John Gorman was uh, was very loyal to Glenn Hoddle. And when Glenn Hoddle, Glenn Hoddle had left the England job, hadn't he? And was out of work yeah. for a bit, and then the Southampton job came in. I think there was a few. Uh, it was um, on the back of um, uh, Dave Jones's legal case, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And they appointed Glenn Hoddle, and the gentleman's agreement with with the club was if Glenn Hoddle got a job, then uh, John Gorman would go um, and be his assistant. So of course Glenn Hoddle got the job in late January, early February of 99, 2000, 2000 it was, um, at Southampton, and we appointed Martin Allen. And the rest, as they say, is history. And it was a 10-year, pretty much 10-year upward spiral from that point. Yeah, totally mad dog. What an absolutely crazy figure. I mean, this is a man who got players in the squad to go to the Medeski when it was completely empty on a non-match day and to get players to shout abuse at them from the pitch <laughs> to players sat in the stand. I mean, I'm not sure that kind of thing happens anymore. <laughs> it, well, it, it worked for a while though, didn't it? Worked. it? Oh, yeah, you know, the, the, the antics he, were just were just yeah. mad. Um, oh yeah, well, hence his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, he, he, so there was that. They, they had, um, uh, it, that was all to give them the idea of what it was like to be a fan, wasn't it? Mm, um, yeah. And he, I think, um, well, I'm going to plug another another podcast here, um, Under the Cosh, which is run by John Parkin and uh, Chris Brown, um, ex-Sunderland, John Parkin, ex-God knows how many clubs, loads and loads of clubs, um, and comedian Chris Brown as well. Um, so there's two Chris Browns involved. Um, and Nicky Forster was on there recently, and he brought up the, uh, the Preston, um, uh, Preston North End away game in 2000, the season Preston um, won the division under David Moyes, um, and he had he had he had our players warming up in the Preston half, um, getting the police involved and everything. It was uh, uh, you know, little things like that that would. And Bristol Rovers, I remember when Bristol Rovers came to town, 
And remember, the season before under Tommy Burns, they'd absolutely dicked us 6-0. Yeah. Um, so this was our revenge, um, uh, our chance for revenge under Ian Holloway. And I've got to remember, Bristol Rovers, were uh, they were pushing for automatic promotion. And if I remember rightly, they were at the top, top of the division at the end of March. And at the end of April, or the first weekend in May, when it came to the last day of the season, they dropped out of the playoffs. Um, and Stoke City, who we beat actually on the last day of the season, ended up jumping into the playoffs. But anyway, Bristol Rovers came to town um, in the middle of April, and we beat them 2-0. Um, and Martin Allen, um, there was something that had happened on the pitch, I forget exactly what. But Ian Holloway was sent to the stands um, after a few words were, were said on the touchline. And as the referee was walking over, Martin, it was Martin Allen that had actually riled Ian Holloway. Martin Allen had jumped into the dugout, changed his tracksuit to something different, jumped back out. Of course, they couldn't identify who it was that had riled, riled Ian Holloway. And uh, the, the officials couldn't anyway. Um, and so Ian Holloway was sent to the dugout, uh, sent from the dugout, and Martin Allen managed to stay on the touchline. He's a man who really, I mean, we think um, uh, Mark McGee's split opinion, but Pardew, he is the ultimate splitter of opinion, I would say, with Reading. I mean, he set the foundations for the 106 team way before Coppola obviously came in. But without him, yet again, we wouldn't be able to have all the sex we, success we had. I mean, it's not just on the pitch, but all the training, the standards at the club. And I, I really appreciate what he did now. When he left, I did not appreciate it. But, yeah, you could have a whole hour on just Alan Pardew leaving, couldn't you? Really? We, we, well, yes, absolutely. In a similar vein to, <laughs> to what happened with Mark McGee, wasn't it? But, mm. but in comes Steve Koppel. Um, yeah. And after a couple of seasons of, uh, of, of, well, not rebuilding, but adding to. Um, yeah. I mean... I was so happy when <laughs> we, we, in we'd say, you said that we could talk for an hour um, about... <laughs> Hard you leave it. I mean, I could just talk yeah. days about that yeah. 0506 season. I, I, I make no absolutely no apologies for lingering yeah. on this season. Um, if, yeah. any, if there are any any fans of any other club listening and just thinking, why this is <laughs> this is quite literally Reading Football Club's finest moment, and it lasted a whole season. Um, so we make when absolutely no apologies whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, when somebody says to you and they don't really like football and they say, oh, enjoy the match. And you think as a fan, I'm only going to enjoy it if we win. Exactly. That's how this is going to work. But genuinely, in the second half of that season, I just sat back and enjoyed it. Because I thought, I'm never going to top this. This is the greatest team I'm ever going to see at Reading. Mm -hmm. It wasn't matter, didn't matter if we drew the game. We're going to go up. It doesn't matter when. And we'd win games and we played in a style that was so enjoyable. In your face, wingers, fantastic strikers. Yeah, four, yeah, four, four, yeah. two, classic, classic, four, four, two, big man, small man up front, and yeah, it was... fullbacks you could dream about. Midfield pairing of Harper, man seems to never need to sleep. Also had enough ability as well. He gets kind of like underrated, but Steve Sibwell just a Rolls Royce, and we've never replaced him since, really, have we? But no, not really, no. no. You just look at that team, Glenn Little, Bobby Convoy, just there's so many good parts to it. And Brinny Esther, I mean, Brinny Esther <laughs> on his own is a wonderful player. Oh, 
and you know what? Yeah, he, I... he was he was he was so obviously a, you know second choice to uh, mm. to, to Sidwell and Harper. But yeah, it, it, what a reserve to have! And everyone, <laughs> everybody yeah. loves Bryn. You know, you talk to yeah. any club, any fan of any club that he played for, everybody loves Bryn. You know what? It, I don't know what it is really. I've never really been able to put my finger on it about the Icelandics, but you know we had Ivar, obviously Bryn, Gilfie Sigurdsson. Um, you know, something about Icelandic players that cl- fans of clubs in this country just absolutely love. And, you know, you see it with, with so many other clubs as well. Um, I think with Reading, it's a perfect fit because they're a very, very, they're a tiny country and they're always trying to go out and prove a point and kind of like puff their chest out and say, listen, this is what we've done. Yeah, we don't have all the resources, but we're going to give you a game. And that's what we need at Reading. We're never going to be the biggest club. So when they come to a club like ours, we're like, yeah, we embrace that. You want to be one of us. You have the mentality that fits us completely. And some of them have been technically brilliant, but one player in that team, the 05-06 season, who's just the Iceman, Ivor Ingemarsson at the back. I mean, he didn't have amazing pace. He wasn't incredibly technical, but would, he, would I put him in the defence we had right now in any Reading team? Yeah, he'd be straight in. And alongside him, the pace and power and strength of Sonko before he got his injury later on. Oh, just, you, you just knew we could get to a ball. You, you don't never, get you the, the nickname Superman for nothing, do you? No. And that picture, iconic picture against Southampton away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always, no. They're always sort of gazing up at God, aren't they? Those five <laughs> yeah. or six Southampton players just stood around this one salmon-like Songo. Just, yeah, I, I know exactly the picture, the picture you're on about. And it's, you know, just in the, in the pouring rain and the glistening skin just makes him look that little bit meaner. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 It's weird because in real life, I don't think he's mean at all. (laughs) (laughs) But actually, he's a really nice guy. But actually, when he's on the pitch, it's a different world, isn't it? You you go into uh, game mode, I suppose. You do. That's how a lot of players work. It's very very bizarre because, you know, Mm. say he's not like that off the pitch at all. Mm. Um, He's actually not not a shy bloke, but um, if I I may say, he's, he's got a very effeminate voice. But he's very softly spoken, yeah. He's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't know, if you didn't know he was a footballer, you, you just wouldn't guess, would you? No, exactly. But I remember Graham Murray describing him his physique. He's got he's got abs that you could stick pound coins in, and they stayed there. <laughs> uh, it's just, yeah. oh yeah, uh, yeah. He's just uh, what the the kind of central defender that every club loves. Every club, loves yeah. Him. If you're having a tug of war and he's in the opposition, don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. don't. <laughs> so Leicester, uh, let's talk Leicester. Oh, yeah. It's days that you can never, ever have again. And I remember Medeski saying, we're being promoted after this, but nothing will ever top this because it's the first one. First and he's time. totally right. Yeah. 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 I completely agree. Did he go into town afterwards? Into Reading? Yeah. 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 It's just there. Uh, I think everyone went into town, didn't they? <laughs> Red and found or not. It was like, it was a party. I remember <laughs> um, I went into town um, and we ended up, oh, it's now called the Ale House. It's on Broad Street. Mm. I forget what it was called before. Uh, the Hobgoblin. Oh, um, yeah. Classic sort of spitting spit uh, spit sawdust pub in Reading. Mm. Um, and we were in there having a, having a few, um, absolutely rammed. And they had CFAX page 325, <laughs> Page one of oh. one 
a one of four, sorry, on freeze. And he's just got <laughs> red in at the top of that, obviously in green, um, oh. signifying promoted. The little things like that that just stay, stay with me. I've got to um, say, it makes me go cold just talking about that in a nice way. It's kind of, I remember the excitement of CFAX and everything growing up. And just to see that moment must have been amazing. I ended up going like to the Turtle, the iconic places. Yeah, yeah, we ended up in the Turtle as well. I think everybody ended up in the Turtle that night, didn't they? (laughs) (laughs) Everyone. It's like the Foo Fighters gig at Ren Festival. Everyone was there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Yeah, no, great night. And yeah, needless to say, Sunday was a bit of a, uh, a bit of a write-off, but understandably the so. Week I was think. a write-off day, but it was worth it. <laughs> I, one thing that I always remember, and, and, and after that though, was a massive come down during that week. And I don't mm. know if anybody else experienced it, but that little bit kind of uh, depressive come down, I think, that I had. Um, it's that, it's that kind work. of like we've done it now. Oh, oh is that it? It's kind of. I'm, I guess it's like managers, and they say. Because everyone asks him the question and says, oh, how do you feel? And then their immediate thought is, well, I want to do the next one. <laughs> so I guess it's like, oh, is that it? Actually, my day-to-day life hasn't changed. Why is that? It's kind of strange and irrational. But yeah, I can understand what you're saying, how that could happen easily. I, I was floating, to be honest, Dave. I, I, was, <laughs> I was floating. I, I was kind of like, I didn't need to go across the Cambridge Bridge. I just walked on the water. <laughs> it was incredible. Couldn't have put it better myself. Mm. But let's talk about those games then. You know, the first season in the Premier League. Mm. Yeah, starting with Middlesbrough. I mean, <laughs> 2 0 down, Middlesbrough fans singing, This is the Premier League. <laughs> and you think, Oh, this is going to turn into a nightmare. Surely we're not going to have one of those games when you go up and, you know, humiliation around the world when it's going to be 4 5 0. No, 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 no. Dave Kitson said, no, this is my moment. I'm going to score our first ever goal. Then Steve said, well, rolls into the Premier League. And they knew him after that. And that season, he was wonderful. And Leroy Lita comes on. Obviously, Kitson goes off with his injury. And the moment when we scored that third goal was just for one moment, just that split second, I'd put that up there as one of the best moments ever, if not the best. Just going ahead in the Premier League after being 2-0 down and made even more sweeter later on when Mark Faduka scored an equaliser that was disallowed, that was definitely onside. It was onside, And yeah. I love that. <laughs> I remember at half-time just being completely out of breath. Bearing in mind yeah. that, yeah. Um, yeah, we were 2-0 down after 20 minutes. So, mm. um, But we didn't actually, we scored two in two minutes in, on something like 43 and 45. And yeah, going in at half time, utterly breathless, and texting um, a Birmingham fan who who um, who I know and uh, who, who had just been relegated from the Premier League actually, and I texted him and I just te- and said, "Is is this what it's like every week?" <laughs> 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 you know, I can't, I can, you know, I was just utterly, utterly out of breath, um, completely, and you know, and the was ground a- was bouncing, absolutely bouncing. Um, uh, the atmosphere, I mean, we talk about atmospheres and everybody talks about the Wigan one and the playoff, and that was possibly the peak. But when you talk about atmospheres, just for a period of time, coming back in that half-time, I remember going into the concourse half-time, and I totally agree, it was bewildering. It was. You could feel the atmosphere was electric in there. And just that <laughs> one goal, we just needed that one goal. Um, yeah. 
and we would have been in Europe the next season. Yeah, I wasn't at that game, but um, just the thrill game of being that close. Just imagine if we'd had that European tour. We ended up finishing eighth. Um, we needed, uh, so that extra goal would have been enough to give us the two extra points that we needed to go above Bolton in seventh. Um, who a seventh place was the uh, was the last Europa League or UEFA Cup as it was I think back then um, uh, position, um, but ironically Blackburn who finished I think they finished ninth so they were but just below us they entered the Intertoto Cup, which gave you a position a, a place into in Europe and they were the highest the highest placed team to uh, to request entry, who hadn't already qualified for the uh, we didn't we didn't request the entry so we didn't go into it we obviously didn't. Didn't uh, didn't win it to, to you know to win the Intertoto Cup. You you got you got the position in Europe. Yeah, it would be nice. And one day maybe we'll see it, Dave. Maybe we will get to a European game. And knowing the Medeski, uh, it probably half sold out. <laughs> <laughs> but throughout all yeah. of this, and one thing that we haven't actually touched on yet is you, you know you mentioned that you were going with your mum and, and your dad, mm. um, and. Obviously, you know, it goes without saying, you know, that experiences with our parents are, you know, some of the best experiences we'll ever will ever have. Um, mm. And you've got the opportunity to go to go to all these games with um, with your dad. Uh, you mentioned before. Yeah, no, no, it was um, uh, great to go with him to these games. Uh, totally, because he was actually born in Sunderland and he was a Sunderland fan, but he's lived in Redden since nineteen seventy-two. So he's a Redden fan, really, as well now. But I can tell you it's a bit tense when there is a sullen Reading game. Uh, <laughs> that's not really great. But, yeah, going to the games was uh, your parents. It's such a great thing because it gets passed down through the generations, isn't it? Going to football, it's such a... It was more of a working-class game, I'd say, when I first started going in 1985. Definitely yeah, very working-class then. But it slowly moved on from that. But uh, I remember something going with my mum to the games in the similar Cup. She used to wear this really horrendous Disney jumper, which is absolutely boiling, which was fine when it was cold when we were going in the winter. But I made her wear it to the Semi Cup final mm. when it was really hot. And God, did she suffer. <laughs> she really did suffer. <laughs> but she took one for the team. But in the second win one, and it was full time, she took that top off straight away. Oh, I could imagine. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. It was, um, yeah. I really wish I could go to more games with my dad, but um, we'll have to wait and see on that one, obviously. So, uh, yeah, if you get opportunity to go with your parents, definitely take it. And you never know when you're going to be your last time. So make the most of it. Appreciate yeah. them while you can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think whenever I go, my dad's in uh, in Lancashire. So whenever we go, mm. I go to a Lancashire away game, my dad almost always goes, um, including yeah. to, to be in one of the 150 Reddit bands at Blackpool in an FA Cup third, third round replay. On a freezing oh, cold January night, with the wind I'm... whipping in off the off the Irish <laughs> Sea, yeah, I, 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 he he endured it. Um, be I fair do remember to him. going to a game with my dad at uh, Sunderland, Sunderland versus Reading in '94. It might have been '94, '95 season. I think it was '94 when the game fell, and uh, we were in the full end, obviously the Sunderland end. And uh, I was very young and naive at this point, and uh, I celebrated the goal. In amongst thousands of Sunderland fans, wow! Is... I've never had so many heads turned <laughs> towards me. Was this the full? So the the full end? Did you say was that? Yeah, yeah. This is the, the one. Wind. This is where the, the, the terrace undercover, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, to the left oh, of the yeah, camera. That was a bad error, Dave. Bad error. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, yeah. I got a lot of people licking around. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, thinking, oh no, oh dear, that was horrendous. And my dad must have really. He must have really disliked me at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fair enough. Which is fair enough, and I don't blame him. Yeah, so, yeah. That, so that was presumably that was the uh, was that the one all draw? Uh, sorry, not the one all draw. No, it was a one nil win, wasn't it? With Scotty Taylor. Yeah, Scott Taylor. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Really good uh, performance. The one when Shaka had an absolute stormering goal, and he actually um, won the Sunderland Player of the Match off. I think some of the di- off the. Um, uh, People were sponsoring the match, which is really, really weird. <laughs> really, how, how bizarre! That, yeah. I, I, can, I know, yeah. I know that happened once, once more as well. Um, that season, ninety six, ninety seven, when I said that we only mm. won twice away. One of those was at Wolves, um, and the mm. Wolves um, directors or whoever it was, their their, their match sponsors or whatever, um, gave James Lambert the uh, the match ball that day. Um, <laughs> well, we won. You can't one imagine that now, can you? No, it wouldn't happen <laughs> these days, would it? No, no, because they want the photo and everything to go in the programme, don't they? It's like, here's the match sponsor. But yeah, we could lose 5-10-0. We'd still give it to one of our players. Well, exactly. <laughs> or lose 1-0 to Luxembourg and give the uh, give the, give the the man of the match trophy to Seamus Coleman, who looks, doesn't look very happy. I don't know if you've seen that picture. but uh... No, I have. What a badge of honour that is. <laughs> it's like, wow. There's also a great moment with my dad. Uh, when he's having cancer treatment years ago and they went in the executive boxer because it was easier for him to go there. He wanted to be warm and everything. And um, I was speaking to some of the people at the club and they said, oh, we haven't got a match sponsor tonight. And they said, oh, we hear that your dad's having this treatment and everything. Would he like to be the person who was the uh, kind of like the unofficial match sponsor and gives the uh, man of the match award to whoever he chooses? So that was really kind mm. of the club to do that and gave it to Paul McShane. So that was a really nice photo and I uh, always appreciate that. So move, moving on, so we, we end we, we we end up going down the season after um, and there's a, a few seasons of sort of relative... We do okay. Uh, we, we, you know, we, we end up in the playoffs in 08-09, failing to go back up at the first attempt. Brendan mm. Rodgers comes in, stinks the place out. Too much too soon, I think, for, with Brendan Rodgers, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Brendan Rodgers used to live with me when he first came to Reading. Did he really? Um, yeah, he lived with our family with the YTS thing. And um, uh, I remember Ian Bradford coming around with him and everything. And uh, at this point, Brendan was very young, obviously 16 on the YTS game. And um, he was a, come across as a quite an intelligent young lad, to be honest. Uh, even at that point, you could see that. And I also remember going to a game, a reserve game, at Reading and uh, sitting, uh, standing in the South Bank actually with him, and he was man, he was coaching me throughout the game. Now I never knew what he was going to go on to become, but he could spot things before they were going to happen. And he'd say, "You watch this, and this is what he's like." Players like Lee Barkas and all those, yeah, of yeah, playing and this kind of thing. And he'd say, "Oh, you watch him. He's going to turn here, and he's going on this corner. He's going to do this, and he's going to go past and watch the defender. He'd take him out here because he can't do that." I thought, I, I don't know what, I'm, you're watching a different game to me, completely and utterly. <laughs> it is quite bewildering. But yeah, Brendan Rodgers, obviously, really loves Reading. And that's pretty clear. He lived in the area for so long. He came through the academy and was part of the academy manager as well, maybe, I think, title at some point. He was. Uh, yeah. and But it never worked out for him at all. He, I totally agree. Too much too soon. And ultimately, uh, unfortunately for us, 
we were the club that made him successful because he probably learned so many things from his time at Reading. There was teams at Swansea that massively, massively gained from that. Um, it's a real shame that is the case, but maybe one day he'll end up back at Reading. You just never know. You never that. know. Um, <laughs> personally, I can't see it happening, but at the same time, you never know. He's... You never know. Weird stuff happens. And I'm putting <laughs> us on the same on the same plane as Leicester City, but you know, um, who knows if we get promoted? Yeah, what about the end of his career? <laughs> yeah, who knows if we get promoted and end up doing um, doing sort of what Wolves have done? Um, We've got a bonkers owner, though. Exactly, know. exactly. This is just it. So <laughs> who knows? So yeah. But then Brian McDermott, a man who I have the yeah. utmost respect for. I've spoken to him on, on more than one occasion. I've got time for the man. Mm. Um, he's, you know, just a, a down-to-earth gentleman. And, you know, I try not to swear too much on here, but funny as fuck. <laughs> he's a hilarious he man. He is. Yeah, I, I totally agree. An amazing man. Let's forget all the football stuff. Let's forget all he's done for Reading. He's a person you want to know. You'd want to have in your life uh, you, you'd have respect for him. You'd learn from Brian. When you talk to Brian, and when I've spoken to him, you think, yeah, I've, I've only spoken to him five or ten minutes, but I've got something from that. And he's got values that you can see why he's done so well as a manager at Reading. He just is a genuine person. And he'll tell you how it is. He won't hide anything. he just give it to it straight. And he is a credit to Reading Football Club and the way he dealt with himself there. And especially in his second period at the club. Yes. Because there was some really bad stuff going on right then. And that was not down to him at all. That was down to the situation completely out of his control. And the disrespect he got from some of the players there was horrendous. It really was. And I wish in many ways he hadn't come back because the way he tarnished it slightly, which wasn't his fault, but we should remember what he did with those players that he had in. I've spoken to numerous players and they always say, we weren't technically the best players in that league. There's no doubt on that. But we were the best team in that league. We stood up for each other and we wanted to win more than any other team in that league. And players at the end of the match would say, how have you won that match? We don't care. We've won. Win next game. That's what it was all about with Brian. And Hashtag yeah, WNG. Funny play. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, I remember just after he he became manager, two or three months after he was given the gig, and this bearing in mind this is after the very technical based Brendan Rogers football, McDermott had come in and Shane Long had had a torrid time under under Brendan Rogers and was really struggling to make his mark, really. He he needed to step up. Kevin Doyle had gone, Dave Kitson had gone, Leroy Lita had gone. And it was his job, really, to step up because we only had, then had Simon Church and and and, and Gilfie Sigerson really emerging. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd signed Gregor's Raziak, um, and it wasn't hugely successful, but still had a one-in-two strike rate at Reading. Uh, let's not forget mm-hmm. that. But Shane Long, um, there was a question at a fans' forum um, in February or the March, and Longy had started going on a on a real run of form, playing really well under Brendan uh, under under um, Brian. Um, and it was such a simple, um, a simple explanation as to why he suddenly started scoring goals. And he just said they just, he just looked at the data and and said that Shane Long had been uh, spending less than ten percent of his time in the penalty area um, during games before. So we just said, just get in the box, 
because you know don't worry about yeah. where the ball is just get in the box and suddenly he started scoring and then of course that all sort of took off and he scored 20 yeah. 22 24 goals the next season um which dragged us to the um to the playoffs scored the two goals at Cardiff um and uh, and was eventually sold for um I think at the time was a club record fee to West Brom um, yeah, and I remember the Brian saying to me that Shane Long used to cut Brian's grass for him. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me, of course, because Shane Long stayed yeah. with, uh, with Brian McDermott when yeah. he first came over, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. And you think all the scouting that he did to get all these players in that we had over the years. I mean, a fantastic manager for us, but the players he found for us as well, Brian McDermott, is just insane. Mm-hmm. It's just absolutely crazy. The deals that he did, uh, the Jimmy Kebe one, when you know, Brian was so drunk, but he had to get the transfer done. And Jimmy came out telling me that he was just sort of, he'd never seen him so drunk. And he was singing and everything. <laughs> just, uh, I, I just love Brian. Uh, I love Brian. And I know lots of fans kind of like, look, this uh, season he had in the Premier League. and But come on, let's look at what he did for us. He got us back into the Premier League with players who didn't actually cost us that much money. He navigated us through that difficult period of Zingarish coming in. Let's not start on him. But in, just remember those moments we had with him. West Ham away. Southampton. Now, name me a better away day in the last 10 years. Okay, either of those two. There aren't any. It's just incredible what he did. And I just love the bloke. I really do. And when people say to me, who is the favourite manager? Is it Steve Koppel or is it Brian McDermott? I'm really torn because I love both of them. But I don't know. Maybe I'm swaying a little bit towards Brian now. I just, what he got. Because Steve Koppel had a lot of money thrown in relatively for Reading. But Brian had to make the best. He had to sell Gilfie. He had to sell Shane. Yeah, we had that. I mean, we had that financial players. black hole that we needed to plug, yeah. didn't we? Every season. Yeah. So, yeah, we had to, we had to sell a big asset. Like, yeah, obviously, I love Steve Copper. There's no doubt on that. I always called him Sir Steve. You know, the man deserves respect. Exactly. Is that a party <laughs> that brought him to the club, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah. He, he ended yeah, up, what, 13 said. years? And, you know, the way that he was, he was, you know, unceremoniously dumped out. And football's a ruthless game. Um, but I, I, I don't know how you feel about this, Paul, but I felt that what Brian McDermott had done for the club, he was... Um, more than worthy of being given a second crack of the whip when, if and when we got relegated from the Premier League in 2013. Yeah. He should never have been sacked, uh, in my the, opinion. Uh, the only thing I'll say, yeah, when I, the only thing I would say about that, the atmosphere in that game, I think against Villa, Aston, yeah, Villa true, yeah, was toxic, was really toxic. And I didn't want to see the reason why I would have thought Brian should go at that point is because I didn't enjoy seeing him go through that. As a human, I just thought he's suffering, and this is really tarnishing what he did. And I, I felt it pain for him. And then, and there was so much obviously going on when you look at Anton Zingarevich. He made him so many false promises. He was going to bring in Gilfie, wasn't he? And all this kind of stuff. And the transfers he was going to bring in during the summer when we got promoted to the Premier League. He never saw any of them. You know, we got a striker he didn't really want in Pugrebni. He loved him and all that. He, he won't say anything bad about him, would he, surely? But that's not the player he wanted. He wanted Shane Long back, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Well, Shane Long, yeah. Made, well, Shane Long and Gilfie Sigurdsson made that team tick, didn't they? They yeah, were based exactly. all around him. And the way that he was able yeah. to um, completely change the emphasis of a team, as I say, Gilfie was sold. Everything was based around Gilfie initially. 
we had to sell him to plug the black hole, which was mentioned before. And then he had to find another way of playing. And I remember many people were, we weren't playing fantastically well. We were a distinctly mid-table and an average team. And we brought in Michaeli Leisurewood. Um, and Brian went on records mm. uh, in the local press and said, Michaeli will allow us to attack, to attack more. Mm. And people, you know, sometimes you just think, I was questioning um, just what people were thinking at the time um, when, you know, Brian says, because we clearly didn't have that type of player, did we? Um, yeah. And it would just free yeah, up yeah, the more attacking players who had more of a defensive responsibility and it just wasn't quite working too well. You know, we had a central midfield, midfield pairing of Brian Howard and Jay Tab. You know, we needed yeah. that that rhinoceros in the middle of the pitch that, that obviously Michaeli Legitwood is or was. And it just freed up the more attacking players. Um, and we went on, you know, and well, you've got to take a look at the number of games it took for Michaeli Legitwood to play before he actually lost when we when when we played him. The only game we, we did lose, quarter, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, the only game we did lose in the first in the first twenty or so games was against QPR, who he was on loan from, so couldn't play. So <laughs> the QPR obviously went on to win the, win the league. So you know. um, another signing there, Dave. Who else has signed a left back from Carlisle, and then they'd be your most creative player almost. Yeah, in heart, <laughs> your team, in heart, yeah. Exactly. Who else would do that? I mean, what a spot that was. Um, is there a better free kick taker in Reading FC's history who I've seen? I don't think there is. I think Ian Hart is the best. I don't know what you think. Oh, no, him. absolutely. I think uh, from, a, from a dead ball perspective, he was absolutely superb. I speak to, uh, you speak to Carlisle fans, um, trying to think now. Again, it was on under, under the cosh again, actually. Um, I forget who it was. Um, a player, but they had Ian Hart. Uh, so they, they, they had a player talking about Ian Hart. And, you know, in Carlisle's, uh, uh, they were in League One at the time, and he was just playing in third gear. He scored 17 goals from centre-back for him in a mid-table team, <laughs> you know, free uh, kicks and penalties, mm. you know. And he was bought primarily, not for his defensive ability, but because we needed that set-piece uh, maestro that, that had gone when we sold Gilfie. Mm. Yeah, so he, he could spot a, a you know a a, a a player and sort of mould them into the team and the team. Yes, we didn't play fantastic football. Certainly after Gilfie left, I think the first the, the, his first six months in charge, once he started getting it together and we oh. started hitting some form, was some of the most exciting football that I've seen a Reading team play. And so, oh, yeah. uh, some of the I most you it, know yeah. it, it was yeah. it was pressure pressureless football. And we'd go and we'd absolutely annihilate team, teams within the first 30 minutes and win the game. I can think back to Bristol City, 2-0 up inside 20 minutes, game one. Um, Peterborough United, 4-0 up before half-time, game one. Coventry City, 3-0 up after half an hour, game one. You know, it's just, just absolutely smashing teams off the park. Um, and it was wonderful to watch. And we, we so, I, I, I'm still convinced that if we'd have beaten Stunford three games from the end of the season... That we would have we would have hit the playoffs. Yeah, I was at that Scunthorpe match, and uh, it was Nigel Adkins in charge of the Scunthorpe. It was, time, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, and I remember thinking, oh yeah, we got this one because we've done it so many times. Like you just mentioned, we just wiped teams away, and they just all started to crumble in that one game. Just that really just tipped the balance for us, and it it was quite sickening. That I mean, a day out, a night out in Scunthorpe isn't the best at any time, but I gotta say. Going there and seeing us, oh, just so frustrating because 
kind of we had the momentum. We had such a oh, just look at that team: Kebe, Long, we have Bertrand, Sigerson, just yeah, Sigerson, Matt, Matt Mills, McEnough, Federici. Yeah. Um, Going into the Kizanish, Billy, so much Andy Griffin, yeah. It would have been. I think we would have won the playoffs that season because we were unstoppable. Yeah, yeah. I we think were so. not only winning, we were wiping teams away with just pure ability. It was unbelievable. It was right. I was really gutted when the season ended. I remember the last goal of the season. I think it was Simon Church yep. scored an absolute worldy, and I thought, why can't it go on? <laughs> it's like I want this to continue because we seem almost unstoppable. It was just really fantastic view, and I was really genuinely excited for the next season. Quite exactly, and who did we open up with the next season? Oh dear, was that against? Uh, was that against? It Stunthorpe? was against yeah. Scunthorpe. Yeah, 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 yeah. We lost it. We, we lost it. Yeah, we lost it. Yeah, Gilfie scored a screamer again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Out to yeah, out to completely burst your bubble, and you know that was wasn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. football. Being, being a football fan is <laughs> yeah. No, it was, it was in the end that season turned out to be a you know a, a marvelous season. You know. Um, mm. All told, having lost Gilfie so early on, um, and it was similar in the in the, um, the next season, of course, um, in eleven twelve, because you know we'd, we'd lost mm. Gilfie, who um, the whole team was built around. That season ten eleven was then built around Shane Long. Um, we mentioned Michaeli mm. Leisurewood, who who was able to um, to, to help um, with the attacking side of it. But the whole game was built around Shane Long and his just um, incessant chasing of the ball. And it's just like a dog with a bone. Of course, he was sold after one game the next season to plug that dreaded black hole. He was sold to West Brom and we needed to find another way of playing. And it took us half a season to do that. In fact, we went half a season without scoring a goal in the first half, pretty much, of a game. Um, And we were, you know, we were, we were, well, we were one game away from going bottom of the table in September. Um, but then Jason Roberts, after, uh, after you know, all right, this was probably the best thing that Anton Zingarevich ever did for the club, was to sign Jason Roberts. And suddenly, the floodgates opened. Yeah, Jason Roberts uh, has to be the, possibly the best one-off signing. Just his impact was absolutely huge uh, coming in scoring the most bizarre penalty I think I've ever seen um, looking really really unsurprisingly unfit in the game when he came in I think that was against City, yeah. it was David James it goal, was wasn't it I think yeah I think we missed two but, penalties that game didn't we because he missed it say it was well it was yes. saved wasn't it went back to him and he kind of just yes. need it bundled it in I just hit him. Yeah. I think it basically hit him, though. I think you're kind of like, I wouldn't give him too much credit for actually uh, striking it nicely. Um, but, yeah, he just came in and hit the ground running and he gave the whole team belief that we could go and win games. And he had a th- he had an authority to himself. He was what the team needed at that point. He had that kind of swagger about him and a really you know, a nice way, not an arrogant way, but he had a belief and he told that he played so many years in the Premier League and he wasn't, he, I'd say technically not the greatest striker we've ever seen. He couldn't head the ball as well. He'd admit that himself, but he held off strikers like a wall. And that is what we needed in that team was because he held it up. We had other players in that team 
who we're going to score. And another player who gets underlooked is Noel Hunt, always brought the best out of strikers around him. Did the same with Shane Long. I mean, just, yeah. And Jason Romick gets a lot of stick because of the situation with his contract that was never announced. And uh, I think some of it's unfair. I think it's kind of tarnished what he did for the club. And I, I feel that's a shame because without him, we don't get promoted. The end of that season, obviously, Steve Steve Clark has gone midway through after uh, doing his best to um, emulate Mark McGee and Alan Pardew. Um, and then Brian McDermott comes in. Um, and we've, we've spoken about him, obviously, before. And then pre-season 2016, I think it is, there's this little podcast that, that, that crops up to uh, not rival the, the already established Tyler Stend um, podcast, but to... Uh, is it fair to say that you, you to supplement and unplug the gaps that weren't necessarily being filled? Just do my own thing, Dave. That's what I was doing. I didn't have any issue with anyone. There, no, 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 so no. I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know. I know you're not saying that. I'm just saying I, there's no issues at all. If you're gonna, I respect what the Tyler Stend have done. Totally, the fantastic podcast, and it definitely they inspired a lot of what I started. I wanted to do it in my own style. Um, you just develop over the years and you find your own niche and then you meet people, uh, doorways open and you just think, okay, this is what I want to do. It's the direction I want to go in. And I always have a process of not having edited my podcast when they go out. Um, some people might say that just because I'm lazy, but um, <laughs> it's also, it's just because it's just the way I want to yeah. do it. There is no it's raw right and in the flesh. Doing a podcast. Yeah, it's no right or wrong way of doing it. It's just the way I want to do it. And I decided that I persevere at it. It takes a lot of work, Dave. I can tell you that. You have to put a lot into it. But you can get a lot of fun from it as well. And I, I would say it's one of the major reasons that kept me kind of slightly more positive about Reading is the enjoyment I get from running the site and from the people I've met, uh, particularly people like Alex, Dave and Eric, who've been really amazing for the site. And just really opens up doorways and things I've done with podcasts with Liam Moore and all the other players over the years I've done. Um, talking to Jimmy Kebe was a particular highlight, <laughs> I've got to say. And Paul Michelle, all these players, I could go through loads of them. But what you do discover is that in the era of Brian McDermott, all the players I've spoken from them, that team, that team, no nonsense. Let's get it sorted. Let's do it. It's done. And when you get them on the recording, it's just very straightforward. And you know they're all going to be very similar. They're going to be all about team above themselves. The only one who was like a little bit more occupied because he was a striker and obsessed with scoring goals is Adam LaFondra. But wow, did we benefit from that. And he's still a team player. He knew that ultimately he can impact the team more and help himself more by being that substitute. Mm -hmm. And I, I love running this side. I, I really do. And it's just really good fun. And when we're doing well, it's way more fun. People always say you get more hits and all that when you're not doing well. It's rubbish. I'd much rather we were doing well. And actually, I get exactly the same. <laughs> it doesn't make any difference to me, to be honest. And it's just good to have a different outlet. And I try to give balanced opinion. I don't want anyone shouting, abusing. I'm not in for that at all. So, yeah, if you want to follow us, do. at Elm Park Rolls. And, you know, it's good fun yeah. anyway. Well, I think that's... Uh... Very positive note to uh, to draw this to a close, Paul. Um, it's been absolutely magnificent. Um, what are the plans for for Elm Park Roars? Just quickly for the future. 
Oh, well, um, lots of plans. So hopefully some announcements soon with some things. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> more live players. So more players and podcasts. So we'll see how that goes. Roger that. Getting uh, commitment is never easy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can imagine. I can imagine. Paul, as I yeah. say, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, and, um, yeah, uh, well, needless to say, we'll see you on Elm Park Royals um, next time. Uh, if Even if... Even if you're an opposition fan, he welcomes opposition fans onto uh, onto onto his uh, watch-alongs. Um, we've had some uh, some Birmingham fans and uh, and fans of other clubs as well recently, haven't we? Um, just just uh, yeah, just definitely. just knocking in. Uh, the watch-alongs are very entertaining. Um, yeah, and the podcast on uh, so very roaring in the flesh, unedited. Um, and uh, yeah, they're very good. And particularly when he goes down Waitrose after a, a particularly good win. Um, <laughs> Paul, it's been it's been it's yeah. been great fun. Uh, thank you very much for that. Appreciate it. Cool, really enjoyed no it, worries. Dave, and uh, appreciate no it. Cheers. Just uh, just one one quick note. Um, as I mentioned before, Twitter is at Terrace Memoirs. Email Terrace Memoirs at gmail.com and the new Facebook group is funnily enough Terrace Memoirs. Um, that's it for this week. Um, I'm going to going to go off, and uh, I think I'm going to edit this down. This is nearly two and a half hours worth of uh, of chat. Um, but uh, yeah, Paul, once again, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. <laughs>